0: lamb of God. Worthy is the lamb. Glory to your name, O Lord. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wonderful Redeemer. Lord, we come ever so humbly before you, O God. We were broken and you healed us, Lord. We were lost and you found us. We were in need and you came by our way. And Lord, you brought what we had need of, oh God. And what can we do but tonight surrender our lives unconditionally into your hands, knowing that you are the sovereign God, the omnipotent one, the almighty God. Lord, the one before whom we bow. Lord, there's none like you. We want to say the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, the English language cannot express how great you are how mighty how wonderful how marvelous oh Lord we love you and Lord we just bow before your throne it's a midweek service but we came to be strengthened Lord we've battled the days that have gone by we're in a warfare we have an enemy and he's a good enemy But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And that is our confession, Lord. That is our testimony. For we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by our testimony. And Lord, we testify that you are the great one that has taken control of our lives and has vanquished the enemy and has brought sin to defeat. And great life has been poured out. We give you glory, Lord, and we just ask... As we spend this time together around your word. May you anoint each and every heart, both here out on the internet. Lord, I know there's some probably streaming this service on the other side of the world. It amazes me, Lord. But Lord, you ordained it so in this late hour. May you use this service for your glory, for you are the word that knows and discerns every secret. We commit it to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats for a moment, for a few moments. I just want to uh, greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, bring you greetings from the brethren that are in India, particularly in Mumbai, but also brothers from the Punjab and from uh, from the um, uh, other areas. I, I can't remember the name of all the states over there. Send their greetings. But... Uh, It's the other side of the world, and uh, we just got back last Monday, and and so we've been home eight days and still don't feel fully recovered. They say it takes you a day, thank you, that's all the singing will do, it takes you a day for uh, every hour difference, and so 12 hours difference means 12 days, and we're not there yet, but we're here, (laughs) we're somewhere in between India and here. And so we thank God for His grace to us, watching over us, giving us a successful journey. I just want to just say a few things about what we were doing and why we were doing it. Because it's, uh, India is not uh, unfamiliar territory to this church. And uh, for many years, uh, your uh, offerings and your labors and the labors of the ministry and many uh, translators in India and so forth have gone into what was a lo- very large printing operation in the city of Chennai and so we uh, we are fully aware of that and, and thank God and they thank God for all that was done and they thank God for Brother Biscoll and his vision and uh, and everyone that I talked to asked how's Brother Biscoll doing and how is his health and they're so mindful and appreciative of our pastor uh, But India, uh, as all of us have changed, and the world has changed, and the technology that worked in 1980s is not the same technology today, I want to ask you a question. How many have your Bibles here uh, this evening? How many have your Bible? Just hold it up, uh, or your phone, whatever you read your Bible on. Amen. All right, you can put that down now. How many have a handwritten Bible? How many have a Bible that's been written by hand? I don't see anybody. Of course, before the time of Luther, all Bibles were written by hand. And uh, but God wanted to get the Word into the hands of His people, and so the Lord allowed man to tap into the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the printing press was invented. Gutenberg invented the press because God wanted to use it the devil has used it to print many things that should never be printed but yet God used it and allowed Bibles and these Bibles that we have we have them because of technological advancement you have this Bible because of technology and uh, without technology you wouldn't have a Bible are you with me all right, well, we're not living in the 1600s, but, you know, time went on and and God needed to take the, the message around the world. And so He allowed the great age of shipping and sailing and and colonization and sent missionaries around the world. That was a technological advancement. We know the Bible says that and we rejoice in the scripture that says, In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, all the mystery of God should be finished. And so there had to come an age that the voice could be recorded. And so there was a technological advancement, and because of that we have the voice of the seventh messenger. Praise be to God. It's because of technology that that happened. And, and then brothers got the burden to take the... the, the um, the voice and to put it into book form and transcribe it in print books and it was originally spoken word publications I think brother Tom mentioned it recently about those first set of red volumes that he got from Sister Dow and how that he rejoiced over that and I remember when I was just young in the message and somebody gave me a set of red volumes and and I still have them to this day matter of fact they're in my office right here at the church and and uh, and and that was that was a marvel and and uh, and we so thank God for that matter of fact when I first came into the message I didn't know there was books and but when I found out there was books that allowed me to study the message more in depth than I had studied it before. And then some brothers got the, the vision to take it and put it into a computer format and to create a search program so that now it would be easier to find the quotes where Brother Branham said something. You wouldn't be leafing through books and I think it was this message or I think it was that message or whatever, but now you can find the quotes and you can uh, study the message more in an in-depth way. And through the advancement of technology, you're well aware that we have put the message into a mobile format, and that's the Message Hub mobile. The Message Hub itself being a site for translations, there's 74 languages on the Message Hub, and we have now 24 of those languages up on the Message Hub mobile app. That is the technological advancement for a reason. I want to just show you a map here. These are the countries of the world by population, graded by population, and you'll see two of them are black because black represents a billion or more people. And so these two countries are the most heavily populated countries in the world and happen to be two countries that the Lord has laid the burden on this assembly here. Have you thought of that? More than a third of the world's population is in these two countries. Over a billion people in each of those countries. If we would reorganize the countries or the landmass of the world to match the population, it would look something like this. China and India would be huge and Canada would about disappear and that's that's representation of the population that's in the world there are great numbers of souls in this area of the world and then if we include the rest of asia and all that sort of thing if you actually include all of asia you're passing half the population of the world in that area and this is the amount of of people that are christians in the different countries and i'm i'm just kind of laying this as a background here because uh, you can see the lighter, po- the lighter colors are less Christianity. I see my, my uh, colors drop off the side of the screen, but the light blue is at the bottom and the dark blue is at the top, so 90 to 100% is, is really dark, dark blue or black, and 1% uh, to 7% is the light blue, and then there's a few countries that have no or hardly any or less than 1% of Christian representation. So India and China being the most population, are also among the least Christian nations of the world. China being um, you know various, I think Buddhist or whatever they are, and, and India being largely Hindu in their, in their makeup. As I was traveling to India, I was I was pondering uh, needs around the world for the message and how do we get the message? Because the message is the bride's food to bring her to maturity as a bride, and as I, I want to speak a little bit on that this, this evening. But uh, it's not—it's not a—it's not, not a hope. It's not a—it's uh, not a wish. It's a necessity that we get the message to the bride, and and not just one message. Not just tell them. God sent a prophet. The prophet was the sign, but behind the sign was a voice. And it's necessary that the people receive the voice of the sign, which is contained in the totality of the message. And so as I was pondering, you know, and I've mentioned this before, but as I was thinking about needs that I know about in different areas, and I'm thinking about India and the need that's there, probably more than half a million believers in India Uh, and I think about Africa and the different countries that I'm aware of and the needs that are there, and other places of the world like China, as we know, and, and other areas. If we were to get the message in substance, that is to say hundreds of translations in each language into the hands of the people in book form, I think in my own mind it would surpass a billion dollars. To do it, any volunteers? I don't think anybody here has a billion dollars. I don't think books are going to do it. It's going to take technology to get the translation into the people's hands. And because of the Message Hub mobile, we can actually allow the people to access these translations without cost. And that's wonderful. And there's always a cost to doing the translations. There's always a cost to maintaining it. But for the people themselves to actually have 100 translations in their hands without any printing being done is a tremendous thing. Now, there'll always be need for books. There'll always be people that don't have cell phones. I was talking to a sister in India, and she said, you know, Brother Tim, in the tribal areas, they don't have cell phones. I said, but I said to her, when did you get your smartphone? Oh, she says, about three years ago. I said, and how many people three years from now, if the Lord tarries, are going to have the same devices? I said, this is expanding at a very rapid rate because there there seems to be some kind of thing in the mind of man that everybody needs the internet. And no doubt God's allowing that to be there to push the internet out to get the message out. I believe God's using it. All right. And uh, I hope you can see what I'm talking about. And so we went to India, as I mentioned before I left, we went to India with the purpose to bring the Indian translations into the latest technology, which is the Message Hub Mobile, which takes an uploading of translations, a gathering of translations that, are, that have been uh, uh, never put into computer format and bring them up to, up to the level where they can be disseminated, uh, readily over the internet and particularly into smartphones and in the message hub mobile. And so, so that was the purpose of our trip there. And we landed, uh, after I think 14 hour trip to Delhi and then another two hour trip to Mumbai on the, uh, west coast of India here in, in the city of Mumbai. We got there a day before, uh, what's called the color festival uh... it's a high hindu holiday where they worship their gods by throwing color on each other and uh... and the brothers telling me brother tim you don't want to go out because that's what they do and they do it to everybody and and so it was something that you know we we were we we did go at the end of the day when things had calmed down but it's just it's just a, a great big festival and i'll just leave that there and uh... in the city of mumbai it's interesting because Brother Brannan, this is where Brother Branham preached. It used to be called Bombay. And uh, brought the sign for this age to India and had ex- extraordinary results. And in Bombay is a, is a monument or a gate. It's called the Gate of India. And here the British built this gate uh, as kind of a signification that this is the entrance to the country. And so it's interesting that the entrance to the country is right there in Bombay. That's where the message entered the country, where Brother Branham's ministry entered the country. And, uh, and if you just turn a little bit to the left from where we're taking that picture, this is the hotel where Brother Branham stayed. So right there at the gate to India is where Brother Branham stayed there in India. But we, we weren't there just to spread the message as much as, as, much as we were to take and help uh, the people and bring the William Branham Good News Society up to a level where it could be useful in uploading the messages to the message hub. That was our first goal. So we, we had some brothers gathering together here in Mumbai. And uh, you'll recognize these brother, or at least one of these brothers. Brother Kim met us over there. God bless Brother Kim. He uh, went to China with the young people, came home, and uh, was home for a few days and turned around and went back to India and uh, met us there, and he, has, he was involved originally when the printing press was shut down in Chennai, and uh, so it was very helpful to have him there, and to help us to move this, the cause of the message, or the translation and the publishing of the message, move it forward. And so the brothers, now let me just say something here, I'm just kind of, moving quickly forward because I want to get to the word and I know you're hungry for the word we'll have a few moments in the word but since the printing press has been shut down there's been a great burden growing for the message all right used to be that they just got the message excuse me for saying it this way you know it was just handed to them and they were used to just receiving it and you know whatever they wanted it was available so when it was stopped and it no longer became readily available, all of a sudden people begin to realize, we need this message. We really need this message. So coming back now after five or six years, we find there a great desire to receive the message of the hour amongst believers, and that's a good thing. It shows that there's a revelation in their hearts that they cannot live without this message. And so we praise God for that, and, and we know that our labors are not in vain. And, and so we, uh, the brother that you see here in the middle is a brother that the Lord has given us to really help us move it forward, uh, a little free advertising. He works for Parkley's Bank, and uh, he's a banker, probably what makes him such a special brother. And uh, <sighs> I don't know if you knew, Brother Kim used to be a banker too. So the three of us get together, and it's like old times. But, uh, you know, here, here he is, uh, a young brother. He's 28 years old, just married. This is his wife, Sister Snail. Now, they're probably streaming right now, or at least we'll be watching this message in the future. So, God bless you, Brother Stanley and Sister Snail. I put your picture up on the screen. And, uh, but there, he's a, just a wonderful brother, a real go-getter. And uh, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be where we are right now in India. And so, I just want to say, God, is, I believe... Uh, uh, has particularly pointed out this brother to be a help to the bride in India uh, now while we were there, he gathered a team of brothers uh, that are university students to begin uploading the message in Hindi. Now we have uh, or maybe i 'll go into that in a minute, so we, here we have them training with uh brother Freddie Gray brother Freddie Gray is a pastor. And uh, he has been working in the Telugu language, and because of him, we now have the Telugu language up on the Message Hub mobile. And we also have it available in greater extent on the Message Hub. All the translations are still being uploaded. But he developed the necessary tools to bring, it, bring these fonts off the written page into the computer and into the app. And so uh, we thank God for Brother Freddy, and here he is training this team. And these young men are gung-ho. They're so gung-ho, in the last three days, they have loaded and are working on 52 Hindi messages in just three days. That's what we're talking about over there in India now. There's a generation that's raising up that has, has been birthed into this message that says, we want this message. And because of that, they're laboring now right there in Mumbai in the Hindi language. And Brother Stanley is kind of directing the team. They've already uploaded the Hindi Bible. That's already in place. And Brother Darren Hoffman, I don't know where he is, but he's uh, worked with them over there. Someone's pointing up. always up in the room, of course. And uh, so uh, he's been working with them, getting this all up and running. So far, we have four teams already working in the Telugu, Punjabi, Hindi, Marathi, and Tamil languages. Praise be to God. There's 22, 21 languages, I'm sorry, not including English, in India. And uh, we've got a lot of work to do, but the work has begun. And all we're asking is that you pray. You know, we still have some resources there from the William Branham Good News Society that we're putting to work. And, uh, but Pray. Pray that God will bless them. I know they're praying. And if you agree with us in prayer, I believe the Lord will make this a very fruitful work. Of course, you can't go to India without uh, ministering, at least if you're a minister. And uh, I I didn't really go. Actually, I went to India without any schedule to preach. I thought, I'll just see what happens. And as soon as I show up in India, uh, the announcements start going out. And so... uh, this was actually the last service that I preached. There's another announcement that went out. And, and so uh, uh, we, had a, we had a wonderful time with the believers over there, some real wonderful believers there in Mumbai, um, and preached at four different churches while we were there. Uh, this is a joint gathering for the last service. It doesn't, the picture doesn't really do it justice. Uh, the weather this day is 38 degrees and uh, I'm glad that the fans were running, and, uh, but the, uh, uh, you, this is kind of just a school, and they don't rent you the rooms, but they rent you the hallways, and so this is kind of a cross, uh, like a cross section of two hallways, and so you see the group of people here, and then you see a hallway in the back there, and, and it, it, the people are lined up in chairs down that hallway. And then there's another hallway off to the side. And the, and the believers are lined up in chairs down that hallway. And uh, they had the sound system just cranked. And, and we just had a wonderful time in the Lord. I was, I was at Brother Shindy's there for the first service that we were there, and I, the people were very receptive and very excited about the Word, and I asked them afterwards, I said, are the people always this excited, and, and are always this vocal? And they said, no, it's usually quite quiet in here. And so I thought, well, praise the Lord. We had a good time in the Lord. And so God just blessed us, and we had a wonderful time there, and so that, in brief, is, is just our time in India. Let's take our Bibles and stand together. Turn to the book of Genesis, if you would. On the on Sunday morning of the eleventh, I preached for Brother Samuel. He's an elderly brother. He's actually uh, about four years older than Brother Biskel, and uh, uh, I, w- I don't know why that I don't know why a ripple went through when I said that. <laughs> he's he's. Uh, uh, a, a nice brother has a nice church. I was really thankful for his church because up right behind the pulpit, he has an air conditioner set up and and I was really thankful for that but uh, I was preaching on on the subject of uh satisfying god satisfying his love, and while I was in the middle of the service, uh, the Lord just like opened the windows of heaven and took a bucket of revelation and poured it out on me and I was I was like my I've never seen this like this before and just had a wonderful time in the word with the saints and they were rejoicing and I was rejoicing it's wonderful when the preacher can rejoice too and uh, all the brothers know what that feels like cuz there's sometimes when you preach that you're not rejoicing <laughs> and you're just kinda of slogging through it but uh, we thank God for his blessings and appreciate your prayers and, and your support. And, uh, and I want you to know that even the support of the believers from many years ago is moving the message forward in India still to this day. And so praise be to God for that. Shall we just bow our heads just for a moment and ask God's blessing on the word? If you have a need, why don't you just slip it up? Heavenly Father, we have but a few moments. And Lord, we want to quiet our spirit. We want to just slow down our pace, maybe as it were, a little bit. And speak on the things that you begin to speak to my heart that Sunday morning. Oh Lord, may you just come in the meeting tonight and, and in the time that we have left together. It's a midweek service. Some of our brethren have worked hard today and they're tired and weary but, Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would quicken each one tonight. I pray, Father, that you'll give strength. And, Lord, you'll open our eyes in a greater way, Lord. For we can, never, we can never overvalue revelation, Lord. The importance of revelation is great in our lives. And, Lord, I pray that you'll just, as we read your word, that you'll just unveil it afresh as it were, Lord. And Lord, you see needs that are here this morning or this evening, and Lord, you know them. You knew they would be here, and, and we certainly want to get out of the way. Lord, I want just to yield to you and let you have the preeminence in every aspect of the Word, Lord, not of ourselves. It's not of our own thoughts, and neither is it what inspires us, Lord. But, Lord, what is an inspiration to you? That is the channel we want to be in, Father. For we need to hear and want to hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church. And so we ask your blessing now upon your word for your glory and upon the people in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, familiar scripture, verse 18. And the Lord said... It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a help meet, make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Amen. The Lord add His blessing to the Word. You may be seated. And if you turn to Ephesians, that's where we will go to next. But here we find in the Scripture the first union of man and and we know that Adam was made in the image of God and he had the attributes of God, but he didn't have the fullness of God. We know that the fullness of God dwelt bodily in Jesus Christ, who was, as we call him, the second Adam. And in in the very thoughts of God and the purposes of God that was beginning to be reflected in Adam, and there's many things that we could say about him and how that God designed that he would have a family and How that he made man to fellowship with. And how that man was alone, but it was not good that man should be alone because it was a reflection of God himself in that God did not want to be alone, though God was alone with his thoughts to begin with. It was not good enough just to be with his thoughts, or I guess I could say it this way, it wasn't the thought that counted. It took more than that. There had to be a manifestation of the thought. There had to be a, a reality of it. And so this union of Adam and Eve actually contains a great mystery. That it's so great that, that when we find in chapter 3 that Adam fell and Eve fell, or, or more particularly that Eve partook of the, of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I'm sure I don't need to go into details about it, but as Eve fell with the serpent, we realized that Adam had this choice because he was not deceived, but now he was confronted with the choice, and I was pondering that and realizing that Adam had a choice between uh, his wife or all that was perfect. You know, sometimes we think, oh, just to be on the other side, just to be in a perfect body. Just to be in a place of perfect love. Just to be where everything is perfect. Listen, without love, it's empty. Adam was already there and God said it's not good for man to be alone. It was a perfect place that man was. But God saw that Adam needed something more. He needed someone to express his love to. Just the same as God needed to express His love. So His love for Eve in Adam's eyes and in Adam's heart was greater than the value of all creation. Love is greater than the value of all creation. Are you with me? And so it's greater than the pull of perfection and overrides perfection itself. Now, the Apostle Paul picks this up in Ephesians chapter five. I know it's midweek, so we'll just kind of look at a few scriptures here and I think I've got next Wednesday too, Lord willing so if we if we leave a little bit over till then that'll be fine and in Ephesians chapter five, Paul begins to speak about the marriage relationship, and uh, he talks about wives submitting and husbands being the head of the of the wife and Husbands loving their wives and, and, and uh, how that it was a type of Christ. And we'll jump in at, at verse 31 because it picks up where we left off in Genesis chapter 2. And it says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And then Paul says, This is a great mystery. All right, so now he's talking about this union that it was at the beginning and how that Eve was brought to Adam and it was spoken about Adam to leave his father and mother. But yet Adam didn't have an earthly father and mother. He was the spoken word of God. But there's something about the relationship here and something about not just a husband and wife because Paul says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he's saying now this reflection of what happened in the Garden of Eden, which he brings up here in the book of Ephesians now, is a great reflection of what God had in his mind concerning himself and the church. That it wouldn't just be about an earthly union, but all that we see and experience in marriage. And, and I guess I'm just trying to be succinct tonight, but you know there's so many good things about marriage. And and personally, I I know that to have a good marriage supersedes everything else on the earth. What good is it if you're a good hunter and you have a bad marriage? What good is it to have a good fishing trip and have a bad marriage? Hello? What good is it to, to have all kinds of money and have a bad marriage? What good is it to even have all your health or whatever more it might be or have any kind of earthly attainment and have a bad marriage? You know, when you have a bad marriage, it really drags everything else down. But when you have that kind of a good relationship that's spoken of in the Bible, and this isn't a a service about marriage, don't get me wrong, but... When you have that kind of wonderful relationship that the Bible speaks about, then everything else can take its place. Everything else can fall wherever it falls because when you've got that place that God looked down at Adam and saw a reflection of himself and said Adam it's not good for you to be alone. God was reflecting himself. He says, it's not good for me to be alone. I have desires. I have thoughts. I have ambitions, I have a people that I want to be one with, that I want to, to sow my word in, that I want them to become flesh of my flesh, and bone of my bone, and life of my life. All of these thoughts that we hear in the message of the hour in this day, these are all things that God had in His mind before the foundation of the world. When Brother Branham spoke these things, he was not speaking something new. He was speaking the expressed, hidden part of the mind of God that God chose that he would reveal in this day. Amen. So my title tonight is The Mystery of Love Revealed, but I, but I really want to title it, Christ is the Mystery of Love Revealed. Brother Branham preached, Christ is the Mystery of God Revealed, but God is love. So then Christ is the mystery of love revealed. This is a great mystery, Paul says. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now to Israel, love was a mystery. In Malachi 1... The last chapter, the last book of the Old Testament, The Burden of the Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, God says, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet you say, wherein hast thou loved us? It's a mystery. They don't get it. It's hidden from them. Now, I have to stop here for a moment and say, it's not about an emotion. All right? It's not about just feeling good. It's beyond that. Because love is the greatest power that there is. And if you can comprehend, if you can catch the mystery that has been unveiled in this day of God pouring this mystery into the church, you can operate by this power of divine love that overcomes everything. Hallelujah. So he says, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet you say, wherein hast thou loved us? And then he says, was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord, yet I love Jacob. So now here's election. He says, yet I love Jacob and I hated Esau. Now here's a God that says, I hated Esau, but yet he tells you, love your enemy. I'll let you figure that one out. That's quite a God. It's a mystery. It's hidden. You can operate in a realm of this great power of God that we call divine love. But yet, Paul says, it's a mystery. It was a mystery to Israel. It was mysterious to them. Brother Branham picks it up in the Church Age book. You see, they had thought, and and before I start quoting, I'll, I'll just say they had thought that they had figured out God by works. They had figured out God by the law. They had figured out the do's and the don'ts and how to live and how to operate and how to do certain feasts and how to have things in order according to the pattern that Moses saw in heaven. But hidden underneath those things was a great mystery. It was about God's love. It wasn't about do's and don'ts. It wasn't about effort. It wasn't about how good you are. You're not saved by works. Amen? You're saved by grace and that by faith. And grace is sisters to love. And because of his predestinated unmerited grace, because he loved you before the foundation of the world, he put the wedding band of unmerited grace on your finger back then in his mind. All right? So Brother Adam says in the church age book, he says he's walking in the midst of his people. He's in the Smyrnian age now. He says there he is, the chief shepherd of the flock. But does he hold back the persecution? Does he stem the tribulation? No, he does not. He simply says, "I know your tribulation. I'm not at all unmindful of your suffering." And then he says, "What a stumbling block this is to so many people. Like Israel, they wonder if God really loves them. It's a mystery. Does God? Really, how can God love?" How is he a God of love when there's so much suffering? How, how does this work? And does God love me? Does God know what I'm going through? You know, one of the great things about Brother Branham's ministry was that he would have people in the prayer line or he'd call out people in the congregation... And he'd tell them their name, he'd tell them maybe their address, maybe he'd tell them what they're going through, what exactly their problem was, uh, what, what their sickness was, whatever it might be. And many times he, he wouldn't even tell them, thus saith the Lord, you're healed. He'd say, now, be it unto you according to your faith, or, or go on your way believing. And they would be encouraged. Why would they be encouraged? Because now they know that God knows. Amen? That was, the, that was what the prophet did for them. He let them know, God knows your trouble. And that's the very thing that God wants to get to us all individually. It's not that He's going to end your troubles before their time, but He knows your troubles. And He's got a purpose in it, and He's got a reason why you're going through what you're going through. Praise be to God. So He simply says, I know your tribulation. I am not un, at all unmindful of your suffering." What a stumbling block this is to so many people. Like Israel, they wonder if God really loves them. How can God be just and loving if He stands by and watches His people suffering? And then Brother Brandon quotes Malachi 1 that we just quoted. Wherein how thou loved us? And then he says, you see, they could not figure out God's love. They couldn't figure it out. They thought that love meant no suffering. They thought that love meant a baby with parental care. All right? As a parent with a baby, you hate to see the baby suffer. When the baby is sick, you wish you could take on their sickness, that they could be well. It's not that kind of love. All right? People look at it, and Israel looked at it and go, Why do we suffer if God loves us? See, God's love is expressed in the purpose that He has. I better read a little bit further here. He says, but God's love, God said that His love was elective love, and the proof of His love is election. That no matter what happened, His love was proven truly by the fact that they were chosen unto salvation. He may commit you to death as He did Paul. He may commit you to suffering as He did Job. That is His prerogative. He is sovereign but it is all with a purpose and if he did not have a purpose then he would be author of frustration and not of peace his purpose now his purpose is that after we have suffered a while we would be made perfect be established strengthened and settled amen there's a a fourfold purpose there So so let me just say now, if I I said to you or somebody said to you, how would you like to be made perfect and be established and be strengthened and have everything settled? We'd all say, Amen. I'll take that. That's what God said. He says, I love you and I'm going to make sure you're perfect. I'm going to make sure you're established. I'm going to make sure you're strengthened and settled. I'm going to make sure you're that kind of an overcomer. But I have to put you through some things to get you there. But that's my love, he says. That's part of the mystery of my love to you, is that I'm taking you to a place that you want to be, even though the journey isn't exactly the journey that we want. But I'll be with you in the journey. He promised to never leave us or forsake us. He promised He'll be with us wherever we go. He promised, and many times He, he, he sends so many wonderful things by our way and encourages us along the way. He speaks to us. I, I remember the testimony of the baby dedication on Sunday and a song that was sung, and there was something about it that God spoke to a certain sister and says, Don't worry, I know what you're going through. I'm with you. Amen. Amen. It's not going to be easy, but I'm with you. I'm going to see you through it because i got a purpose in it. And Somebody else goes through another trial, and somebody else goes through a different trial, and we don't have Brother Branham to stand up here. And, you know, many times, and I I maybe come to this in a little bit, but many times we'd really like that kind of a hand-holding to have some kind of a gift that we could go to that gift and say, you know, you know my troubles, and can you just help me and tell me exactly what to do? And, And we put it into a man. But God says, that's not the way my love works. I want you to have faith that I know what you are. And if you need something special, don't worry, I'll send you something special. I got lots of special things. I know how much you can bear. I know what kind of a trial you're going through individually. But don't fear. I love you. And the Apostle Paul, after all of his studies, and I appreciate the Apostle Paul, how that he spent years in the, as it were, on the backside of the desert studying the Word and going back and forth through the Old Testament and placing it and, and maybe coming to an understanding where he could even write, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ in the church. And as he begins to write that and he begins to express that, there's something in him, no doubt, that he's expressing that he came to that revelation in Romans chapter 8, where he says, I am thoroughly convinced, I'm persuaded, that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Don't you want the same persuasion? I'll ask you that tonight. Don't you want to leave from this place tonight and say, I'm fully persuaded. It doesn't matter if my life falls apart tomorrow. I'm persuaded His love will never leave me. I'm persuaded if, if I never get my wishes, I'm persuaded He knows what I have need of. And that's easy to say. But when it's anchored in your heart, and you know that God loves you, and you can stand like Paul, that I 'm convinced that, that if God be for us, what can be against us? I 'm convinced that all things work together for good, to those who love God, who are the called according to His purpose. I'm convinced I 'm there already, I'm anchored. It doesn't matter what comes, it doesn't matter how low I feel. it doesn't matter how little I feel I'm persuaded i 'm a seed of God. Because his love is elective. And he brought this word by my way and it quickened me. Amen. And I can't explain to you why I can't leave it and why it won't leave me. All I know is that it quickened me one day and it's kept me every day since. Amen. And no matter what hardship I've been through and no matter how low it's been. And no matter how deep the trial is caught in the depth of the trial, I can still say, God, I know you hear me. And I know you hear my voice. And I know you paid for my... Your your sacrifice paid for everything I have need of. And it doesn't matter how I feel. And I might have to go through all kinds of things. That doesn't make a difference. I still know He loves me. So that's His prerogative. He may commit you to death as he did Paul. He may commit you to suffering as he did Job. That's his prerogative. He is sovereign. I love that. He is sovereign. I I can never, not a day goes by that I can get away from that. God does what he wants to do. Who am I and who are you? Don't ever try and tell God, I think it should be done this way. Just forget about it. He is sovereign. It was all made for a purpose and for His pleasure. It is all with a purpose. His purpose is that after we have suffered, we would be made perfect, established, strengthened, and settled. Amen. So he goes on. And we know the quote, but it, it bears reminding us. So then he says, why does he stand by? The reason is Romans eight seventeen and 18. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God join heirs, with God, join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Don't worry, we'll get off suffering. But let's, let's eat it while it's on the table. Yeah, right. Unless we suffer with Him, we cannot reign with Him. You have to suffer to reign. Right. Amen. 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 To the overcomer will I grant to sit with me in my throne. The reason for this, and you know the reason, is that character simply is never made without suffering. Character is a victory, not a gift. Right. Maybe somebody heard that for the first time. What a wonderful statement. We've heard it so many, 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 many times. But yet character is a victory, not a gift. A man without character can't reign because power apart from character is satanic. But power with character is fit to rule. And since he wants us to share even his throne on the same basis that he overcame and is set down in his father's throne, then we have to overcome to sit with him. Now, Brother Branham is explaining some things here, and, and I realize every sentence is almost a sermon in itself. All right? And I don't mean to, especially on a Wednesday night, just overflow you or inundate you with things. But as, we, as he says that character or power with character is fit to rule. Now, in the Smyrnian age, they knew suffering. In the church ages gone by, they knew molding. But now we come to the age that is bride time. Now we come to the time where God has brought His church through all of this now, and individually there's still suffering, but He's un- unveiled or loosed the mysteries of God so that we, He could elevate His church to a place of rulership. We're just lay, it's just laying right before the church. It's just beyond. When He come from His Father's throne in the opening of the seals, His purpose was not just to come down and open the book so that you could understand the mysteries. No, the purpose of the open book was to bring us to a place. It was to put the revelation in us that was necessary for rapturing faith that the bride could come into that place. And I, I want to say it correctly here that place of the opening of the Word, when, when Brother Adam talks about the seventh seal, he talks about the coming of the Lord. When he talks about the coming of the Lord, he's talking about the shout, the voice, and the trumpet. All right, it's a mystery that was hidden in the Word but revealed in the last days because it would take those divinely, uh, those seven mysterious thunders and the divinely revealed mystery truths under those thunders to bring rapturing faith to the church. All right? So now I'm saying all that to say this. So when the seals broke and the revelations came, it was to put faith in the church. But faith in what? Not just faith in who he is, but faith in who you are. in faith in his undying love. And, and when Brother Bradham takes the title, Christ is the Mystery of God Revealed, he's actually saying what I'm speaking on today is the seventh seal. What I'm speaking on today is the reason there was silence in heaven for the space of half an hour. What I'm speaking on is the coming of the Lord. And so he's expressing it to the church so that you can catch it. This mystery that's being revealed is for a purpose. It's the coming of the Lord. It's to give you rapturing faith that will catch you up. It, and then if you, if you take... I'm sorry... I don't mean to inundate you, but if you take that and go into into perfect faith then and you and, and Brother Branham says somebody that walks by perfect faith, he says they become a mystic to the world. Listen, you're a mystic to the world. The world is a bunch of what is the word for it? There they're a bunch of lunatics. There are a bunch of people that don't even understand reality of life anymore. They don't even comprehend what's right and what's wrong anymore. They don't even they don't even understand what's good for them, and they just kind of doing anything and everything that they can think about like it was in the days of Noah where the heart of man was continually evil before God. And so there they are out in their, in their sphere of total lunacy and insanity. But there's a bride of Jesus Christ that has caught a revelation. And because of that revelation, we become a mystic to the world. Well, well don't you watch movies? No. Well, don't you go to bars? No. Well, don't you go to drink, smoke? No. No, not interested. Well, well don't you think uh, that there are 17 different genders or whatever they say there are in the world? No. Don't, do you think a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man? No, don't think that. Well, do you think it's all right for two men to get married? No. How about two women? No. Well, oh, oh, well you, don't, you don't spank your children, do you? We'll keep that one quiet. You mean you actually still believe in corporal punishment? Yep, sure do. Come on. That's the word. What are you? You're a mystic to the world. They don't understand you. Where do you get these ideas? There's a revelation that's been poured out. Because God is elevating his His church into a bride position. And as Brother Bradham said, when it becomes a bride relationship, Jesus begins to make love to the church by speaking mysteries to her. He says, just like a man does to his wife. Now I'm I'm kind of way off the place here, but let me just say it this way. He says, you become a mystic to the world. He says you walk by faith. You walk by what the word says you are. I don't care what the news says I am. The news might say I'm a Canadian. And Canadians have all kinds of troubles, and they're bringing in all kinds of laws that are trying to enforce, oh, it's insanity, trying to to say what we believe. Listen, that's not what we believe. This is what we believe. We're not interested in what the government says is right and wrong. There are a bunch of idiots, and I'm sorry, but there are a bunch of idiots in the government. Because there are people that are just dead, don't even have the right mind, because you can't even have your right mind unless you're born again. And so only those that are born again are walking in their right mind. And, and now we've come to the place where the world looks at the bride of Jesus Christ. And you can't even tell them what you really think, because it would drive them crazy. And you just try and use wisdom in this age. And just say, as much as the Lord will lead you to say... Because that's the kind of age we're living. Listen, I don't care if they, whatever they think. doesn't make no difference to me. But there's a bride that is catching a revelation. The opening of the Word. To bring perfect faith into the church. That causes us to walk by perfect faith. As Jesus walked by perfect faith in what the Word said He was. It wasn't a mystery to Him. So the bride now, because the Word has become open, walks by perfect faith in what the Word says we are. Amen. Amen. Walks by faith in what the Word says we are. Doesn't walk by, by some kind of intellectual understanding. Doesn't walk by an emotion. Doesn't just come to church and feel like, Oh, well, you know, I had a good feeling at church, therefore I'm still okay. Listen, that's Pentecost. I, I came out of that denomination. You live for every service where you could speak in tongues and say, Oh, well, I spoke in tongues. I still got it. That's what they believe. They believe as long as they speak in tongues, they can live any way they want to. Because they got the Holy Ghost because they spoke in tongues. Absolute nonsense. Praise the Lord. It's because a revelation has been deposited into our hearts. So brother random says he wants us to share even his throne on the same basis that he overcame and is set down on the father's throne then we have to overcome to sit with him and a little temporary and the little temporary suffering we go through now is not worthy to be compared to the tremendous glory that will be revealed in us when He comes. Hallelujah. I asked some brothers the other day, I said, think of the best that you've ever felt. No matter if you're a basketball player or a baseball player or whatever more, if you're a pitcher, pitch a perfect game, you're a basketball player, never miss a shot, you know, you're whatever it might be that you're good at, you know, you're fishing, you catch a fish on every cast, you know, Hunting, you always find game and never miss. Whatever it might be, think of the best you've ever felt and it's millions of miles above that. What God has in store for those that love Him. Those kind of feelings fail in comparison to what God has for the elect. Amen. Oh, what treasures are laid up for those who are willing to enter into His kingdom through much tribulation. Hallelujah. So we see that we're... It's in store for us. All right, so now there's, there's a mystery that's being revealed. And it's being revealed to us, and sometimes we don't even understand that. Sometimes we just absorb it without even realizing it. And it becomes real to us without even maybe a consciousness of it. But something begins to... And why does it begin to happen? Mm, Yes, I think I have time to go into this. Now, if you recall a little while back, a uh, a couple services ago, which would make it about six weeks ago, I went into the subject of the Son of Man. Who is the Son of Man? And Brother Branham was asked a question and said, some say, Brother Branham is the Son of Man. I thought the pillar of fire was the Son of Man. Am I mistaken? So Brother Branham says, but I'm not the Son of Man, but... I'm not the Son of Man, but a Son of Man. There's quite a difference. Jesus Christ was the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of David, all right? It's interesting that he lays it out there exactly the way it happens in the Bible, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of David. There's a short Son of Man ministry, which is what we're under now, as Christ is moving to the Son of David ministry. So then at the end of that quote, and and you can go back and listen to the full service, and I had the slides up on the screen and everything so you could follow along. But at the end of it, he says, I am not he, I am his servant. And the pillar of fire is not he. It's in spirit form, which was upon the Son of Man, and has come now to anoint sons of men. Now, I want you to notice the terminology. I believe Brother Brown is saying it distinctly this way for a reason. I believe a prophet says things the way he says it for a reason. All right? He says, It's come, which was upon the Son of Man, and has come now to anoint sons of men to bring back a ministry just exactly like he said it would. And then he says the purpose. In order for the head and the rest of the body to to connect together alright that's the Son of Man ministry so now it's the head and the body connecting together what is that that's the mystery for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they too shall be one flesh So this son of man ministry is an anointing which comes upon the church in the last days for the purpose of bringing this union that God had in his mind. So he says anointing. It's come to anoint sons of men. Now what's an anointing? He says it's... Now let me just say it the way he said it. He says the pillar of fire is not he. It's in spirit form which was upon the Son of Man, all right, so he's referring to 2,000 years ago, and has come now to anoint sons of men. It was an anointing there, it's an anointing here. All right, so so this anointing now, when we hear the word anointing, we, ha- we have to take it, we know the Holy Spirit is an anointing, but when he says per- a particular anointing, there is a particularly a particular anointing for this age. Because there's been four anointings in the church ages. Alright? The lion, the ox, the man, the eagle. All the Holy Spirit. But in four different stages of anointing because it had a specific purpose in each era. Alright? So that through seven ages it would accomplish different things. The lion anointing, the boldness to carry forth the word. The, the ox anointing, the sacrificial anointing during the dark ages that the, the believers would, would be anointed to give their lives anointed to lay down their lives, and then the man anointing, the shrewdness of, of, the, of the mind of man, be anointed to, to work in a, a reformation way throughout the, the, the restoration that God was bringing, I will restore. And, and then on down to the last days, in the opening of the word, flies out the eagle anointing. All right, So this, this Son of Man ministry then is another anointing which comes now, this eagle anointing is upon the church in the last days. Now, there's another place in the Bible that, it, that we refer to anointings, four anointings, and that's the Gospels. Is that right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're each anointed with a different anointing. Matthew anointed with the lion anointing. Mark with the ox. Luke as a man with the man anointing. Dr. Luke. And, but John was anointed with the eagle anointing. I was looking today in my Bible. And I just was looking at the word love. And I didn't realize that love appeared in the book of John more than anywhere else in the Bible. Because it's anointing. Of a love relationship. It's a mystery that was hidden under the eagle anointing. To bring a bride and bridegroom relationship. Because it's what God had in his mind. And as a matter of fact if you read the book of John. The the subject of love is talked about more in the last two weeks of Jesus' ministry. Than in the rest of the book. My. God's just revealing himself. At the end, there'll be a tremendous anointing of love to the church that will cause her to walk in the revelation of who she is. It's a mystery to the rest of the world. It's been a mystery to the church ages. It's been a mystery to Israel. Even when Jesus himself came on the scene and, and uh, when he was there, what was the reason that Jesus was under the Son of Man ministry was because he came to unite with Israel. But they would not. A very fulfillment of Ezekiel. How that God said, you know, when it came to the time of love, after you grew, he says, I found you in the field, I washed you, I cleansed you, I fed you, I clothed you. You came to your maturity, you came to the time of love, and, and I would have joined myself with you, but you would not. And that's where Christ coming to the church, Christ coming to Israel, it was a time that God would have united with Israel, but they would not. But he turned his attention to a Gentile bride. That there would be a people that would receive the word and in the last days be anointed with this great anointing of divine love that has never been upon the church before. Praise the Lord. I've got to bring this to a close. Brother Ram says the law put you in jail and Christ the mystery of God revealed. The law put you in jail but couldn't get you out. The prophets is God's justice to condemn you and kill you for it. That's right. But Jesus is God's love and revelation to let you know, to let know to a predestinated seed that He has called you. Let me say that again. Jesus is God's love and revelation to let know to a predestinated seed. Hello? That God loves you. That He has called you. And then he says, this is him, hear ye him. Amen. What's he talking about? The opening of the word. The word became open for what purpose? To reveal God's love for you. Amen. To reveal the power of his love. To reveal the importance of the relationship that you have been called to. And what I'm trying to say tonight, if I can bring this to a point, is to say this. In the message of the hour lays the mystery of the power that created the universe. Amen. The seals have been broken. The love of God, which is the power behind all of it, has been hidden under seven seals, but now revealed with an anointing to bring it upon the church. Then if that, if that revelation is in you, won't it give you the victory in every situation? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus came to Israel to show them it's not the law, it's love. He came to Zacchaeus's house to show them, listen, it's not the law, it's love. He, came, he, 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 he was there with, as they brought the woman in adultery. And they thought the law said this, but it's not the law. He was God's love and revelation. And God was trying to reveal to them what it was all about. As Jesus began to speak to them of God's love and, and grace. And then the woman who washed his feet... And he says, I have a question for you. Those of you that don't understand love. He says, there's a man that had two debtors. One owed him a lot, one owed him a little. He says, now, he forgave them both. But which one loved him the most? He says, it's not about forgiveness, it's about love. Which one loved him the most? And... The Pharisee said, well, I suppose the one who he forgave the most. He says, you've spoken well. And this woman, he says, I came in here and you didn't wash my feet, but this woman has washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. He says, she's not, ceased, she's not stopped crying. He says, and I say to her, her sins, which were many, are forgiven. And then the Pharisee, he couldn't comprehend that. Who is this man that even forgives sins? It was hidden from them. The power of forgiveness in divine love. Sometimes people have such a problem with that, and, and now we get into real teaching of individual subjects. But we, people have such a problem with forgiveness. Why? Because it's a mystery hidden in that mystery of divine love. And if you really love somebody, Brother Branham said if somebody insulted your wife, if you had the Holy Ghost, you'd pray for them. That's hard to take. That's a revelation. That's more than just a natural desire of a man because the natural desire of a man is naturally, of course, to protect his wife or protect his family and all those kind of things. But there's something greater that's hidden in that power of God that's able to forgive anything. At any time. Hello? God says, I'm going to break the seal off of it and show you the mystery. I'm going to break the seal off all these things that troubles you and show you the mystery. If you'll let me fill you with this divine love, let me fill you with this Holy Spirit, let me fill you with this revelation, you can walk out of here in a confidence that says, no matter what, God's love is in control. I was going to just read the last quote that Brother Tom read on Sunday morning. He spoke about the bride and the bridegroom. Because the eagle anointing producing a Son of Man ministry it actually doesn't produce the Son of Man. It produces the revealing of the Son of Man. The Son of Man's an office that can't be produced or reproduced, but the anointing brings the revealing. And the revealing is a bridegroom anointing. And so in the last days, the friend, you know, John spoke about it in his day. I have to move on. He spoke about it in his day and says, I'm not the bridegroom, but I'm sure glad to hear his voice. Hallelujah. He says, I'm a friend of the bridegroom. And the friend rejoices in the voice of the bridegroom. Hallelujah. I'm hearing something. He was hearing a bridegroom's voice. They weren't. It was a mystery to them. But something was revealed to John. The world is not hearing the voice of the bridegroom, but you are. It's a message of divine love. It's a message to lift you up. It's a message to tell you you're not some poor, downtrodden church. You're the very bride of Jesus Christ. You're not someone that needs to be told do's and don'ts because you're not under the law. In the law, there's no power to set you free. The law only is able to make you captive. But in the revelation of God's love for you individually, oh, Brother Tim, how do I get that revelation? The same thing we always say, get into the Word. It's laying there right in the Word. God wants to speak to you personally. He's not revealing it to the minister just to tell you. He's revealing it to me to encourage you. Go to Him. Ask Him. You got a problem this morning or this evening. You got something in your life that you're having trouble overcoming. Go to Him. And let Him reveal the power of divine love that is the Holy Ghost in the believer and loose that in your life and bring every situation under divine control. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. He says in perfect faith as musicians come. He says no one can take your place. He says, look at the millions he could have took beside you, but he took you. No one can take your place. Then he says, amen. You're in God's economy. No one can do it. That's his love to you. He says, then won't your love reach right back to him? And there's a love affair. No matter what the situation is, there it is. No matter what the situation is, its circumstances is governed by this love that creates faith. That God loves you and you love God. And you love one another. And that brings faith. Then it can't keep from bringing out just exactly what God promised it would do hallelujah where is it brother Tim it's been laying there all the time it's a mystery that's been hid but now loosed in the last days for the bride of Jesus Christ to enter into that bride relationship with her heavenly bridegroom let's stand together 802 please if you would my Jesus I love thee I wonder if we could sing this together tonight I know thou art mine how many believe he's yours you have the Lord Jesus. Then the next line say, for thee all the follies of sin I resign. Let me define that for you. For thee all the follies of unbelief I resign. I I reject my unbelief. I reject every doubt. If I have doubts, I'm going to use it to doubt my doubts. I'm going to accept what God has done for me. He's not just my gracious Redeemer, my Savior, my Healer, my Provider, all those things. He's also my Bridegroom. And that's the revelation of the Son of Man in this hour. I'm a Bridegroom, and I've come to reveal to you individually my love. Oh, don't you love Him? Amen. Let's sing this together. My Jesus. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, it's now. Maybe you're going through something in your life, a situation. There's no end to situations as long as we're on the earth. In these unredeemed bodies, we'll be confronted with situation after situation. But they're all for a purpose. God is using them for that purpose that He can reveal to us His love. And maybe you're here tonight and you've been, I guess we would say stressed. You've been pressured. We heard about it on the weekend, the pressure of this age. That we seem so unfit to live in. The pressures of circumstances of life, family pressures, situations... But how many would want to slip up their hand and say, Lord, I believe you love me. Lord, regardless of what I'm going through, I just want to make my confession tonight, Lord. I believe that you love me. That you sent your word by my way for a reason, O God. Heavenly Father, Lord, you see the hands that are raised, and I would raise my hands also, Lord. And say, Lord, I believe you love me. I believe, oh God, that you've got a purpose in what you're doing. And I want to confess my faith in that tonight. The word has been anchored in my heart that no matter what comes or goes, no matter what happens, that Lord, you're in control of every situation. You're the one that watches over your elect. You're not a God that sits back with folded arms and says, just carry on. But Lord, you're very active. You're very present. You're intervening in the affairs of men. And there might be some here tonight that says, Lord, intervene in my affairs. I believe you love me, but I need you to intervene in my affairs, Lord. Maybe there's somebody with sickness that would say, Lord, you love me and you're my healer. And I want to say, I believe that you are the one that heals all of my sicknesses and diseases. Lord, I believe that you're my provider. I believe that you're the one that delivers me out of all my troubles. Oh, Lord, you're the mighty God that has unveiled yourself now in these last days to a church, not just as church, but as bride. Oh, Lord, we want to say, as the songwriter said, my Jesus, I love you, Lord. How we love you, Lord, and we commit ourselves into your hand on this Wednesday night. Take the word that was spoken. And may it be an encouragement to the bride that you love so much, Lord. How you love her, O God. Lord, may our feeble efforts lift her up into the presence of a King of kings and Lord of lords. That she might know she's connected to this Holy One. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. My Jesus the services on Sunday communion and foot washing Sunday afternoon at 4 we look forward to a wonderful time in the house of God on the weekend God bless you shake hands with one another as you go the service is dismissed in Jesus name